This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Join us today as we take a look at the 1-0 home victory over Hartlepool before looking ahead to Grimsby away. Welcome to Borough Pod. Rossinho, passing from midfield, it's Rossinho! Well, if that is the goal to win the promotion, it's certainly worthy of it! An old tracker, an old traffic cracker in front of the Stratford end! Hello, Patrick. How are you, son? I'm good, thank you. Nay, how are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm not. Not too bad. I um, I uh, I toppled several personal bests when I went for a swim this afternoon. Quickest, quickest, the quickest kilometer, longest swim, and therefore longest two kilometers because I've never done two kilometers before. So all in all, well happy. Congratulations. Had a good day. Normal, standard, working day. I rescued a frog from the road just now. That was the highlight. It's now living in my pond in the back. Nice. As as ever, the uh, the uh, nature lover, Patrick. I'm glad you said nature lover and not naturist. <laughs> it, yeah, no, we're not going to go there. Uh, we've also we we don't we we're, we're drackersless again. Um, but we've uh, we've we've gone and roped somebody in from the club, uh, Stevenage SLO supporter liaison officer Cruffers. You right, buddy? You're muted. Hang on. There you go. There you go. I've unmuted hey. you. How are you? Yeah, I'm all good, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good. Nice to be back. Yeah, good nice to have you to back. Back on this one. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Yes. Well, let's get straight into the business. Uh, Stevenage one, Hartlepool nil. Uh, decent sized crowd, three thousand six hundred and twenty-six there. With I think it was two, two, three, seven, two, three, six, two, four, seven. Yeah. yeah, more, more than I thought there were. Which is a lot more than we were anticipating. We were anticipating. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were a lively bunch, weren't they? Didn't that the drummer did not stop all game. He was they were good, stop. weren't they? Yeah. Uh, and that's probably where the superlatives end for Hartlepool, isn't it? But on that, though, I will say that despite the position they're in, it's similar to where we were a couple of years ago and probably even last season to an extent where, yeah, they, their form is awful. They're in a horrible position in the league, but their supporters just kept on supporting. Yeah, they did. And it's like, the result almost becomes irrelevant. We're just going to go on down and have a good time yeah, I was impressed. Yeah, really impressed. yeah. I, um, so we 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 started um, with the the sort of the diamond setup, 
um, which I'm not all that much of a fan of. So we had we had a flat we had a flat back four of Wilden, Sweeney, Pierre, Gianni, and Clark. Then we had Van Kooten as a holding midfielder behind Gilby and Reeves. Uh, uh, sorry, Gilby and Reed, uh, and then Jake Taylor um, as the attacking mids, um, very much playing that sort of ten role, which I thought. Last last Tuesday, he was fantastic in the first half doing that. And this week, I thought he was absolutely dreadful. Um, I, was, I wasn't I was surprised when I saw him. I saw Reeves getting ready to come on, and I knew it was going to be Taylor to come off. He just did not have a good game. I think he, I think he took a knock, didn't he? And then he was very yeah. much absent for 10 minutes, um, which, which didn't help. But I think even before that, he was really ineffective. Um, which 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 led us into that uh, substitution, but it wasn't a good half, was it? Yeah, uh, I, I mean, picking up on that, I, Taylor, like you say, after Tuesday, he was superb Tuesday night. I totally agree, and it made it's the most natural choice for him to be in that ten role to replace Robbo, the suspension idiot. <laughs> you know, love him, superb player, but those his suspensions. Like two of his cards at least. Yeah, yeah. We haven't got enough. We haven't got a deep enough squad that we can let him get away with that. Like, it's, it's some some no. some players. You go, well, that's him. That's fine because we've got the depth of depth of quality to to make do. We don't, so we really can't live with that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a position we are desperate to strengthen. Whether it's now alluding to what Steve was saying in his his last interview or whether it's January but that's where we desperately need or we get Roberts to bang his head on a wall somewhere and decide he's not going to do stupid tackles because we desperately need him Steve's a good one for always making sure he's putting pressure on the chairman to help his squad out or give him an excuse that the chairman hasn't helped his squad out like he said he needed him to for the last three months so uh, I think you get there whether or not it's needed but I think it's right that it's that we do. You know, we've we've talked about it before that we're short both business ends of the pitch really, like short of options for centre backs and with West down, short of options in the striking department as well. So that's where we're hoping for things to be uh, moving in January, I guess. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, Evans um, in his post match press conference said that they uh, they turned up and they made midfield. A battle which is yeah is absolutely accurate um i think that the way the way they set up and the way they played i mean you, i think you've got to give them credit they they executed their game game plan perfectly which was to frustrate stevenage and waste as much time as they possibly could <laughs> and they did it they did it superbly and where and like like you said Cruff was with uh with us Probably for up until this year, the four, maybe five seasons, definitely four seasons prior to that. That was exactly what we were doing every away game, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Set, setting up to and stifle. A lot of home games as well. well. Yeah. Yeah. Stifle the opposition yeah. and uh, and shit out your way to an unfair point. <laughs> really, um, yeah. there were a lot of fouls. Um, a lot of how I haven't got them up at the moment, but I think it was eighteen fouls in the first half, ten Hartlepool, eight Stevenage. 
it was I quite tweet. I did tweet out refereeing. my stats the other day. Yeah, it was quite fussy refereeing and it, it damaged it as a spectacle that the game was so broken up. Yeah. And it, it felt to me like, you know, we've talked in the past about how when we're playing with that back three, the back three centre-backs, they know what each other's role is in that. They know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. It's all really well-coordinated. One presses, one sits off, one picks up the loose balls. That midfield four looked the opposite. It looked like, well, we knew Taylor was further forward, but the rest of it, it wasn't cohesive. They weren't like well-drilled in terms of what each other was going to be doing. So creatively, it stifled us because everything was a surprise and nothing was like predicted. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> what else happened in the first half? Uh, we had four corners. I think uh, Arthur's Reed, Arthur Reed's usual brilliance at set pieces was completely lacking. Uh, yeah, how many times, how many times did he fail player. to miss, fail to beat the first man? Too many. Cardinal sin. I mean, yeah. I can tell you, three out of four. <laughs> three out of four. One connected with the Stevenage player, which was uh, which was headed over fairly tamely um we had a good day generally um aerially though um danny rose is actually beaten beaten by a, a player in the uh, race to 900 headers in that game um first half danny rose i'll tell you uh i'll tell you how many danny rose got eight he won eight aerial jewel jewels and uh their uh their attacking midfield maestro hamilton who i think was actually playing as a center forward um Saturday one ten. Someone out someone outroused Rose. Incredible. And I'll tell you what didn't happen in the first half. We didn't force a save. And the first save we forced was yeah. around sixty one, sixty two minutes. It was pretty lame in that department. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it weren't good, was it? Um I think that's probably all that we really need to talk about first half. I think we we were poor. They did what they needed to do. Move on. Second half, though, I think we were much better. We we changed shape at half time with Van Kooten slotting back into his usual role, and then um, moving back to like a midfield three with uh, with Rose and Norris up top. Um, I think we were far. We were better in that second half, but then once we made the substitutes, there was only one winner. There was only ever going to be one winner. It looked like a draw all day long until that point. Um, our pass success rate in the second half was 64%, which isn't amazing, but it's 12% higher than our rate in the first half, which is good. Um, Possession-wise, we had a 1% more in the second half, so we had 53% as opposed to 52%. Um, and then obviously, I think I think Bozzy and uh, Bozzy Campbell and Early coming on were the real particularly Campbell and Early, they both looked like they all they wanted to do was get forward. Um they complete I mean Early's roaming forward completely and utterly stopped uh their their right back uh Tamilty. I don't know how you say his name. Tamilty. Um just stopped him stopped him getting forward, which he did quite a lot in that first half. Um and we just we were just dominant from 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 either from the time the uh, subs subs happened, and there was only ever going to be one winner. Sure, we had to shit out a goal, but you got to do that sometimes, didn't you? Um, and what a goal it was! Beautiful, <laughs> Com comical, 
brilliant. I'm struggling to understand the um, all the social media stuff about it being unsportsmanship and any support on take that wouldn't they? You take absolutely it. Absolutely right. The way we're playing so badly, you know, one of the worst performances I've seen this season, and to actually get that, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it any day. And it's just very, very clever from Rogan, isn't it? It's... Yeah. And poor from the keeper. Really, because really that, using Pat's word, it's a cardinal sin. You know? Everyone joked and laughed at Farmer when he used to do his 360, but there was a reason for him uh-huh. doing it. And it's funny, it's like, you saw Rose went into the goal attacking across and trying to um, knock it home. Uh, the keeper claimed it. He... Rose was nudged nudged by a defender which is why he entered the goal in the first place yeah so he was picking himself up out the goal and I saw him down on one knee to the kind of left hand edge of it and it's like oh no as Rose got injured we can't afford that and then the keeper shifted to his left and I saw Rose like press himself right into the side netting behind the post and I was like oh I see what he's doing here I see what he's doing here and then you're thinking there's 10 players upfield for Hartlepool looking back at the goalkeeper one of them could see him and let the keeper know even if the keeper doesn't turn around, but no one did. Everyone just carried on, and it's easy to blame the keeper because he's did the guy with the him, ball who bowls it out. But if you're a centre back in that scenario, take a look at where the other strikers are. Don't just They'll, wander they, off the field. When he put, when the keeper put, look, you watch the replay from the Hartlepool players, you can see which I think you can see two or three of them. They've all got their back to the goalkeeper when the goalkeeper rolls the ball out. All three of them. Mm. Um, Rose, yeah, Rose is back. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. You don't turn your back on the ball. It's lazy, stupid football. Um, Rosie was back on the field um, by the time the ball was on the deck. Um, there's a lot of people online uh, not only saying, oh, it's unsportsmanlike, it's cheating, it's 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 against the the, uh, the the nature of the game, the good nature of the game and all that rubbish. And it's loads of people saying he should and loads of people saying he should be booked. And I understand because there are there are rules about leaving the field of play and then re entering the field of play. Um but the situation with the cross coming in, goalkeeper ca- claiming it, and uh, no Rose being sort of like jostled off the ball, uh, well, off off of the field, um, basically means that the referee doesn't have to give him permission to re-enter the field. Sure, maybe he should, if he's not hurt, he should get up and come straight back on back onto the pitch. Like, but he's within his rights to choose the manner in which he does that. I've got no problem with it at all. Um, and the, the the example I used is situations are quite different because one's running with the ball and one's lying in the goal, right? But Gareth Bale, a goal against Barcelona in the Copa del Rey final. He's tearing down the left wing, Jordi Alba, knowing that he's going to get done for pace, pushes Bale out of play. Bale just carries on going, absolutely murders him for pace. Runs the ball, runs into the box, scores a goal. No complaints about a player leaving the field there and then coming back on without permission. If you cross the byline, you're out of play. If you cross the goal line, you're out of play. It's all about the nature. If you just step off the pitch, stand there for a minute, and then come back on, you will. The referee will should should stop play, award an indirect free kick and a yellow card. But not nothing in the rules to say Danny Rose can't do what he did. Absolutely nothing. Yep. Which is very clever. Yeah. Superb. 
But given that, given think, that just going back to your um, sorry, Pat, I was going to say, given that your team's been time wasting for 30 40 minutes at this point, you're no, not no, no, in a position no, no. to complain about the dark arts of football. No, it's like 60 minutes, Pat, like it's a full hour. Like, what was the goal, like 82 minutes or something? Um, it was hilarious how much they sped up 80 all. minutes, 80, 80 minutes. They were literally right from the off. Right from the off, they were time wasting. Yeah, you know, little things like their left, left, their left back, who uh, is the lad that uh, Brady Patterson, the guy that was yellow carded uh, for time wasting. Yeah. At the same time, they were making a sub, which was interesting. Mm. Um, but he'd been doing it all game. You know, the, the lion stood there pointing at where he wants him to take the throw in. Patterson's ten yards up the field, goes to take it. The ref's like, no, come backwards. He turns around, looks at the lino, who's pointing at the floor. He takes three steps back and does it again and again until he reaches the reaches the uh, lino. Like he was doing it all game. It's just if, if if you can't complain about Danny Rose if you're shithousing like that, you just can't. It's awful. You know, thing, things like picking up the ball when you've been when you've given away a foul, running away with it, and then just dropping it where you are, like ten yards away from where you committed the foul. You see players doing it all over the place. I'm sure yep. you know Stevenish players do it at times as well, but the amount, the rate they were doing it, it was just awful, horrible stuff, really horrible stuff. I don't like it. That's, that is one of my pet hates in football. Generally, yeah. I hate that. It just winds me up, and and that's where the refs have to be tougher. Yeah. Give them a warning yeah. and say do it again, or you speak to the captain and say if your players keep doing this, I will book one. And that, that's quite, I know what you do as well. Danny Rose is. You know he's he does it regularly, but uh, it's just one of yeah, those it's awful. things that winds me up. It's, 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 Kicking the ball away, yeah, well. yeah, absolutely. It's sort of thing, it's the sort of thing that all, all it takes is a referee at kickoff to say when you know he's, he's got the captains there, time wasting, diving. I'm gonna be hot on them. I will give, I will yeah. give, I'll give your player the a player a warning if he does it again. He will get a card. I'm not having. I'm not having. I'm not giving you four, five, six chances. You, you, you do it once. You get your second time. You get booked. That's it. Refs, refs yeah. just, refs just ain't got it in them. And I, and and sure, I think if, if the problem is, is that because they've not, they've not officiated like that. They, you know, that, they don't do that. They give them plenty of chances because they don't officiate like that. The first season, season and a half that they start officiating like that. Is going to be awful. You're going to have red cards in the first half. You have multiple red cards in the first half in some some cases. And it's going to it's going to make make games, particularly at our level, really scrappy for a long time until the players get it out of their system. That's not me saying we shouldn't do it. We absolutely fucking should. But you know, we we we, we it won't happen. But you know, if it does, got to be prepared for. Uh, some real shit football for a while. I think <laughs> it'd probably be worth it in the long run, but I think you're right. It's they're not going to have the buy-in from the clubs to enforce it, and that's kind of what it comes down to: is the referees yeah. aren't supported in enforcing that rule strongly enough to make an impact on how the game flows. Yep. The other one similar is when uh, a player gives away a foul. The player's going to get booked. He runs 40, 50 yards away, and so the referee then goes running towards that player. And that, that's another thing that winds me up. We should do it like the rugby and say, mate, you come to me, 
I'm going to give you a talking to. I'm going to give you a yellow card. You come to me. There's um. And I'll talk. There's to a you. wonderful clip uh, of a Premier League game. I can't remember the player that's committed the foul, but the ref's like, "Come here, come here," as he's walking towards the player. The player literally doesn't yeah. move an inch. He's like 20 yards away, doesn't yeah. move an inch. And the entire way to him, the ref's like, come here. I think it's Mike Dean. All the way, come here, come here, come here. All the way to him. And she's like, what are you doing? You stand your ground. You're the referee. You're in charge of this stand game. Your stand your ground. Pull him, get him towards you. If he doesn't, literally give him give him a couple chances. Come here. He doesn't move. Come here. He doesn't move. Book him yeah. immediately. And if you were already going to give him yeah. a booking, send the fucker off. <laughs> yeah. I, I totally agree. I, I totally agree. It's, it's where the respect for the referees, and God knows we've had some bi referees this season and last season, but it's the only way you're going to start getting a bit of respect from yeah. the players. For the it referees. does seem to be getting worse, doesn't it, the standard of refereeing in League Two? Yeah. I don't remember having a cons- like a, a, a run of consecutive games where I've said that is the worst refereeing performance I've ever seen. And things have been a little bit better the last month or so. We've only, like, I can only really think of one ref that was absolutely horseshit. But I think I feel like September into October, it like every week I was like, he's worse than the one before and he was worse than Kettle. <laughs> The benchmark. The, That's yeah. going some. Yeah, you got. I mean, you. Got, I think you've got like two benchmarks, right? You've got Trevor Kettle, and you've got. Uh, I always forget his name. Brett Huxtable. Yeah, they were so. They were both unbelievably shit in completely different ways. Whereas Trevor Trevor Kettle is very much the Trevor Kettle show. He makes everything about him. Whereas then you have got Brett Huxtable, who's just so unfit. They're so far away from play every given second that he just has no idea what's happening in the game. <laughs> uh, I and I, and I, do, I, I do understand the irony of me having a dig at someone's fitness, right? But like, if you're a, if you're a referee, professionally, get a fucking grip. I mean, you're a record-breaking swimmer. You can say what you like. Well, mate. Honestly, at one point, at one point, the, some of the speeds, the 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 lengths I was doing, the speed I was doing them at, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is this my rec, my personal bests are tumbling right now. It was great. I'll tell you one of the best best referees we've had um, this season, and this goes back to a historical thing as well. Was um, the guy Singh, whose dad used to referee in non-league for years, and then he went up the ranks. Yeah, I, I, know, I, I do know. I do know who you mean, and I thought he was absolutely useless. He was, he was fucking appalling. Oh, see, I thought absolutely he was great. Appalling. I thought he let the game go. I thought he was. No, but the, pro- but well, really but the problem is the problem. Well. The problem with that is, is he was letting things go when he had no right to let things go. I understand at some level, right? Allowing little niggling fouls to to go just here and there, particularly early on in the game, so that you let the game flow. But there's a really fine line between allowing a game f- to flow and being and, and, and ignoring some really egregious, obvious fouls. And I thought he was went too far past the point where he should have been blowing up and stopping things. Um, otherwise, otherwise, I think generally, 
I can't say much of much else of what happened in his game from memory. He did wrong, but that like we were on the wrong end of a lot of really really poor decisions when it came to fouls. So yeah, I I can't agree. He's not he's nowhere near as bad as a lot of them. Nowhere near as bad, but no, that was I... really poor for him. I thought. The other thing with the ref on Saturday was um, that, for me, that was a blatant red, that clothesline of Sweeney. Elbow to the throat, yeah. Clothesline him into his leg. He's looked at his... I just thought if you're giving him a yellow, you've obviously realised that the guy's done something He's premeditated. He looked at him and he's gone in with his elbow. Yeah, he did. He's not not eyes on the ball, happens to have caught him, which would be a yellow card offence. He's looked at him and swung his elbow yeah. out at him. I completely agree. Oh, yeah. Red card yeah. all day, that. Yeah. But I think the red bottled that. It was, it was fairly early, wasn't it? So you can kind of understand. Yeah, but... 27 minutes, actually. No, 27 minutes that, that happened. So, yeah, no, he should have gone. Should have gone, absolutely. Even if he'd have done it in the fifth minute, like, in, in yeah. today, if it's a red card offence, yeah. it's a red card offence. No, offense. I agree. I, I, I just thought it was wrong, and I thought he—if he's given him the I mean, yellow, he's seen it. I mean, to be fair, actually, um, I thought Jack Hamilton's tackle later on when he got a yellow card about the thirty-ninth minute, centre of the pitch. Um, he's taken—I think he's taken out Gilby. It's a really horrible tackle. He's gone straight, straight through. He's gone straight through the ball, studs up, and he's taken Gilby out. We're right in the middle of the pitch. Horrible, horrible. I was—I—I I, I was like, oh. I mean, I remember saying to the to the opta chap um i was uh on with on saturday that uh it could be could be a red i was like that you see him give him mm. maybe not a league two depends on the ref they're very you know individual yeah, yeah. kettle with a wave play on i think <laughs> shall i take us back onto something positive yeah go on get us off refereeing so we talked about Campbell, we talked about earlier. I think Jake Reeves coming on really helps as well. I really was impressed with his uh, calmness, his first touch and his vision and his ability to play the ball to people in space in their stride so they could actually get attacks going down the right and down the left. He, he did that better than anyone I've seen this season for us. And it's something we've been lacking, so it's great to see him back in the team. I hope to see him back in the starting lineup as well. Yeah, I mean, so... He... I think that, that leads on to uh, Nate's passing stats, how they increase in the second yeah. half. And I think Reeves is a massive part of that, and also Campbell I can actually well, tell you... Because he does that similar job. I can job. actually tell you how how much the passing accuracy went up before and after Reeves entered play. So Reeves came on in the 37th minute. So let's have a look, shall we? 37. Yeah, uh, was it as late as 37 minutes? Yeah, that not, sounds about right. I'm not sure it was. So, it, uh, passing success was 55% at that point. Um, 55% and then 37, 38. And then for, for the rest of the half, uh, do you know what? It actually went down. It went, our pass success rate went down between when he came on and our shape change in the second half. But generally, I do think you are correct. I do think you are right. Um, I mean, it's it wasn't Reeves that was uh, 
culpable in the pass success rate going down because he had a hundred percent pass success rate for the first half, uh, which was uh, he only made one pass, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it was accurate. Suppose. It was accurate, so it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter. Second half, let's just have a look. Second half, his pass success rate was ninety three percent off of uh, fifteen passes, which is wonderful. 93% of 15 passes. Fantastic. Have that all day, wouldn't you? Yeah, and he wasn't just taking simple options and like three-yard layoffs. He was properly yeah. curling it into the path of fullbacks mm-hmm. getting forwards and stuff and starting our attacks. And it's really what we needed, what was lacking from the team at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dean Campbell uh, had the same pass success rate. And it was one of his best games for us, I thought. Best I think it was his best. I think it was us. his best game. Um, he's he's do you know he's a couple of like a month ago I was saying that I don't rate him but he's really impressed me with a couple of performances I've seen of him over the last couple of weeks he's really he really looks like he's settled in you know some players take a little bit of time to adjust to a new 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 surroundings a new team a new style you know he's come down from where's he on loan from Aberdeen yeah so you know I know that he's not been you know he's he's probably a bit part player there at best but it must be a completely different world of uh, that you're in you know because let's admit let, let's just be honest the standard of football's gone up in it scottish premier to league two he's gone up in the world um, i like him i think he's a, he's a bit different to anything we've got and reeves is probably the the nearest type of player yeah he just does that work. He knows when to bomb on, but most of the time he'll just he'll sit there in that central midfield role and he'll just do the simple stuff, lays it off. Yeah, I'd like to see more. Yeah, the Absolutely. 10 always makes you think he's going to be more aggressive than he is in that midfield role or attacking, I suppose, rather than aggressive. But you're right, it's a, a sweeping up and setting others forwards and then joining in sort of role more often than not. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think with with um, with Robert Sal, I think our best midfield three is probably Gilby, Campbell, and Reeves at the moment. Yeah, I think that's fair. Just have Gilby holding, just a little, just just holding back a little bit, even Reeves, and then letting Campbell run on a little bit. I think that I think that at the moment would be my. My three man. As long as Gilby stays centre as well, because from what I remember, he played a lot of the game on Saturday, mm-hmm. playing wide, and it's almost like he's not as effective. Well, I think that's due to that diamond setup. Yeah, that yeah, yeah I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. Certainly, first half, you know, he's he's he was playing on the left of the, uh, sorry, the right of the uh, the three, the sort of the two in the middle there, and I think I think the formation, but also the way. The way um, Hartlepool was set up with the three across the middle, it really, it really stifled him, and it made him made him need to go and find those sort of half spaces where, where he doesn't usually operate. He's very much a through the middle of the park player, um, which is fine because we that's how we normally set up. But it does does make him does lead to him struggling a little bit in those in those games where we are set up with the diamonds. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the diamond. I'm no, I've never, never liked diamond formation. Never. And 
and especially, I mean, I'm no football tactics formation expert, but especially when we're playing a five at the back. Well, we weren't. We weren't playing five at the back when we when we got to. No, I know, but you still got those those fullbacks that are bombing on. And I can't help thinking that diamond sort of stifles that a bit as well. Yeah, you want well, it does, it, it does, especially if TVC is then going to sit in the back. It does, it does, it does a little bit because you've got Gilby and uh, Reed moving themselves wider and wider to find space because they're being overrun by the three three Hartlepool players. Um, so you know you do start to lose space, but I don't. I didn't find that Wilden and and Clark were getting forward all that much in the first half. Um, because of, because of the way we were set up, they were they were a lot deeper than I think they normally would be. Um, and Van Kooten, I mean, even at times Van Kooten, Van Kooten played an awful lot as more of an attacking midfielder than he did defensive midfielder. I mean, he was real box to box. He was up and down, up and down, up and down. I mean, he had a volley in the first half, just outside the box, didn't he? Went wild, wildly wide, as it was. High. There, there used to be... There used to be a bit of commentary on an old FIFA game that used to wind me up because if you had a, any shot from outside the box that went nowhere near the goal, uh, the commentator would say, well, that was high, wide, and not at all handsome. Um, and that was uh, TVC's effort, wasn't it? Kind of what you'd expect because he's not exactly prolific, yeah. is he, No, no, not at all. Do you know what? If he could add, if he could add a goal every few games, every literally every once every eight, nine, maybe ten games, just a little, just just a one or two more a season, I'd be so happy for him. Scoring what that frequently is basically Chris Beardsley. <laughs> Look, I loved his running, but he weren't a very good footballer, was he? Let's be honest. He was great. I love Chris Beasley. <laughs> See, this is something about Danny Rose, isn't it, right? Like, he's not the technically most gifted player. He just tries so fucking hard and he's grinning. I, t- I tweeted this on Saturday. If you do that, you will endear yourself to most fans. Yeah. Play happy and play hard. Fans will love you. It's, all you, it's, all, it's like 90% of what you need. Then if you add on that 10% technical ability, if you're a striker, you know, Bagging a few goals here and there, you'll really, really not. It'll go a long way to keeping the fans on your side. We can see it with Danny Rose because some, you know, there have been games where all he's done is one headers all day long, but we're still like Danny Rose, what a player. And works, mate. Be? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've spoken about this for like 25 minutes, which I think is the longest we've spoken about any one game. Which Although is we did have a... barely anything happened. Yeah, but we did have a we did have a diversion to Kettletown in the middle, didn't we? Um, Patrick, I, I'm going to hand over to you for the Grims, Grimsby preview. Go on. You, you said you want some fixtures, so uh, I'm putting it all on your lap without letting you know that it's your job this week. So uh, enjoy. Wonderful, thank you. Yes, Grimsby are in the <laughs> middle of mid table, 14th, um, 23 points from 17 games. So they've got a game in hand on a lot of us. They could bob up as high as 11th if they win that game in hand. Um, their form is mixed, as you'd expect, for a team down there. And uh, recently, not entirely shining. Um, lost 3-1 to Doncaster most recently. Um, 2-1 away at Hartlepool, who we just beat. 
And, you know, if you're conceding two to that fairly stodgy Hartlepool side, you can see uh, there's uh, issues in there somewhere. Lost 1-0 away at Barrow and then started picking up wins kind of mid to early October. 0-0 versus Bradford, that's a good point. Uh, beat Stockport handily 3-1 away. Smashed Crawley Town, who looked absolutely abysmal defensively. That's a, a story for when we come to play them. So, mixed form and, and poorer more recently... Um, had their FA Cup match against Crew postponed, so they might be a little bit fresher than we are coming into this one. That wasn't FA Cup. Week off. That, oh, was that was it not? Oh, it was League. My bad. Thank you. Good save. Their, their FA Cup game, they went to League One leaders, Plymouth, and beat them 5-1. 5-1, so they did. That's the row above. Um, so, yeah, so looking at them playing, they are pretty vulnerable aerially, both down the centre from deeper crosses and from crosses from the flank, um, which bodes well for what we know Danny Rose does very well and Luke Norris looks to be coming back into form a little bit after the uh, nose break which bodes well for us um, they like to press quite high which um, yes. at home probably suits them better than it would away um, that's a threat for um, for us that we need to be paying attention to they also love a shot from kind of the edge of the box, I've noticed, and they've scored a couple from uh, free kicks from that range as well. So they're dangerous from that sort of position. You can't be affording to, uh, you can't afford to be standing off them too much and letting them have those shooting opportunities because they'll take mm-hmm. them and they can score from them. So that's one to look out for, I think. But on the whole, uh, they've shown weakness to crosses from fullbacks. Um, so it's important that we utilise. Uh, whichever of the fullbacks we use, and don't just uh, have them stand out there on the touchline getting ignored while we pump sixty-yard crossfield balls towards uh, Jamie <laughs> Reid. I can I can tell you now, I'm going out on a limb. It'll be Wilding and Early who start. Probably, probably. So yeah, that pretty much wraps that up. Um, you said that you've been watched. You've gone back and you've watched a whole load of their highlights. Now, obviously. The highlights are incredibly truncated on YouTube or on ITV for League Two. So I don't expect you to have a great, great understanding of of what exactly we're going to expect. But how did they look in the highlights from what you saw compared to how the stats are, stats are going? Like, how did it look? How did the highlights come across? They look like a side that's setting up to defend and nick stuff and... Um, that's reflected in some of the possession statistics that you see. But they're successful in that high press when they draw you onto them. Um, They seem to be timing that press well with multiple players. So that, you know, that's a potential um, threat to us. And it's it's something to uh, be aware that they're going to try and do, draw you out and then uh, press as a unit. We've got the right. We've got the right centre backs to uh, to deal with that. I think you know Sweeney's very good at very good at not losing the ball in a press. You know I can think of three occasions in what nineteen games now where where he's been he's he's made an error and given them the ball when he's being pressed. The rest of the time he's turning them inside out and strolling away for fun. Um, TVC calm collected on the ball. Pidge both calm collected on the ball as well. So. I think I think we're we're in a good position to deal with that. Um, of course, you know it's very similar to how we play, right? Like our press with Roberts is fantastic. Of course, we're without Roberts, so we might not we might not be relying on that this this weekend, like we haven't for a few games. Um, 
I don't remember many games against Grimsby as it happens. Just trying to, I'm, I'm thinking back, and I can't remember any. No, I've, got, I've got game. I've got them. I've got. I've got the head-to-head record here. You know, we've only we've only played uh, ten games against them. But we've won six, drawn two, and lost two. That's um, so it's a pretty, it's a pretty, pretty handy run. I just don't remember, but I've always, I always feel like, oh, I've got to play Grimsby. That's going to be an horrible game, and we're probably going to lose it. But history doesn't suggest that that at all. But I've just got an, I've had an horrible feeling for a few weeks that we just. Like like when I had my horrible feeling that we we're gonna get pumped and then we went to Bradford and got pumped. <laughs> I've, I've got that I've got that feeling creeping back in and god damn it I hate it when I'm right. <laughs> when it's when it's like that. Um What are you what are you expecting, Cruffers? A, a tough one. A really tough one. Um Yeah, I'm not I'd be happy with the point. If you come back from the point I'd be happy. So I think it's a tough place to go. Yeah, I think I think if we um if we if we go away if we go to every single away game from now until the end of the season, thinking I'd be happy with a point, we'll be right up there at the end of the season still. There's a lot of football left to be played, and I think I think wanting wanting to come away from a point from every away game at this at this level isn't isn't a bad thing. Yeah, unless you're going to the likes of, I mean, unfortunately, the likes of Colchester and Gillingham, you should be going, the state there, those clubs are in, you should be going there wanting three points. But generally speaking, if you if you go and get a point, if you average one point from all your away games, you're going to go far in the league, I reckon. Um, I'd be happy with a point. It just feels very, it feels very uncomfortable to me, this one, though. I just, there's something about it. Yeah, it does with me. And also, I think it's a thing, and I think Saturday was a prime example where, because of our league position, because of our performances, as in results and everything like that, teams are they're not going to want to play properly against us. They just want to stifle us. Um, and we've seen a few games like yeah. that in the last month and a half. They, they don't want to come out and play football because they know we'll turn mm. over. So, and I think. Grimsby, I think they'll be like that, even though they're at home. I still, because they'll say it's a victory if they, you know, if we don't beat them. They'll say it's a victory. Draw. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, it's you're, you're probably right. I think probably, they probably will put on a similar, similar performance to uh, to Hartlepool. Um, I think, like Pat said, um, oh, excuse me, like Pat said, I think we we should expect a, a bit more of a press. From them than we saw from Hartlepool, but I think you're going to find that it's going to be a real gritty battle in the middle of the park, and I'm fine with that. That's that's right. I think I think we have the personnel to come come out on top, maybe as often as we don't. I think, and that's all you can hope for in the away fixtures. Talking of talking of away fixtures, I think I've got it in my head that we're we're not very good away from home. But do you remember? Do you know what the last away loss was? Now there's a question. Don't look, don't look, Pat. <laughs> Bradford, yeah. yeah. Two months. By the time we play on Saturday, two months. Two months since we lost away from home. Win, draw, win, draw, win. Admittedly, one of those was the FA Cup against Gateshead, which we uh, did not perform well in that second half, did we? Let's be honest. Um, but um, 
It's all right, isn't it? Two one away against Crawley, one all with Gillingham. That's not all right. Gillingham are piss. Um, <laughs> one one nil away at Doncaster. That's all right because Doncaster. I know they've had their troubles this season, but Doncaster are a good side. I think they're I think they're a very good side. In fact, um, yeah. And if it's a big if stadium, they can, big if, they can um, if they can put the ball away a little bit more frequently, like they did on Saturday against Grimsby, for instance, they're going to be a problem for absolutely everybody in this league. They're a good side. Colchester, they're pissed. We should have won that. Um, you know, I'm saying we should have won that. We weren't good enough to beat Grim, uh, Gillingham or Colchester. But before those games, you go to those thinking, I don't care we're away. These teams are in a dire, dire straits. We're second. We should be winning these games. Yeah, you're looking at how they're playing and how you're playing and saying, if we play at our best, they haven't got enough to stop They've us. They've got winning. a chance, absolutely. But we were miles um, off our best. Interestingly, both of the, both sets of fans were like, "That's the best we played all season," which doesn't bode well for them because they weren't good either in either of those games. <laughs> um, uh, right, let's go. To... Let's sorry, go on. No, you go ahead, Jay. Sorry, Mate. let's um, let's move it on to extra time, Patrick. Go on. Oh, extra time. Right, so I've got to redeem myself from last week uh, and to make it sporting related, footballing related. I want to talk about your most embarrassing moment on a sporting field. And I've got two to bring to the table. Uh, both occurred on the same pitch. Uh, my school was right up the top of a hill on the edge of the Peak District. Vicious wind got me across it, fairly slopey. Um, I remember a game of cricket and someone skied a ball, was going straight down the throat of one of our fielders. And I had a rare moment of self-confidence and thought I can help and I ran from about 30 yards away and basically did a cornerback style pass breakup stopped him catching it failed to catch it myself let the guy get a couple of overthrows and thoroughly embarrassed myself I just just stood and watched him and applauded his catch from uh, 20 yards away (laughs) same pitch strong headwind I was in goal little tiny <clears throat> five foot three year nine pat kicked it out of my hand as hard as I could about 45 degree angle the wind caught it and I self lobbed myself it's got an own goal <laughs> over my own head thanks to a vicious headwind and that honestly is my worst sporting moment and the bar isn't high but Jesus Ugh. um okay my worst sporting moment see when you said this most embarrassing moments Sporting moments, whatever. I didn't realise you meant mine. So, one I came up with was the uh, was away from me, and I, I've got a couple that I can drop in. Don't worry. Um, was uh, the butt fumble? Um, ah, Mark when, uh, Sanchez. Mark Sanchez went face first into Brandon Moore's ass. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about, listeners, get yourself on YouTube and just Google, uh, just just search for butt fumble. It's beautiful, but mine um so there's there's two i can think of um one i was arsing around um at lunchtime on the school field we found a discus i threw it up in the air and it landed on my toe and i was and i vomited because it was that painful that was pretty embarrassing uh, but proper sporting moments, that's just sporting moments because we were throwing throwing stuff. That doesn't really count. But proper embarrassing sporting moment was uh, in a cricket match for the school. 
I had a, I was a little bit of a spin bowler when I was at school. I went to bowl. The this was this was in the second to last over, and the school we were playing, which was. Oh, I don't remember who it was. It was a Stevenage school. I don't remember who it was though. Um, the uh, the <laughs> they needed ten runs. It was second last over. Uh, we were we were doing pretty well. I don't even know why I went in because I hadn't bowled well all game. Um, I uh, I threw the ball uh, not really at the at the stumps. It just sort of went straight up in the air. It slipped out of my hand a little bit early, went straight up in the air, but close enough to the um, close enough to the batter that he could just watch it come down, time his bat at it perfectly, and hit it for six. That was pretty. That was pretty galling. Uh, I had another. I had another ball off after that, um, which I played incredibly safe, and he hit four uh, four and uh, to win the game. Eesh. But like after I threw the ball up in the air and gave him a six, there was no way I was ever going to bowl anything other than something that was dangerously safe. Uh, and then I, uh, well, I was so mortified at handing them the game on the plate that uh, I decided to k- k- quit playing cricket. It, to be fair, like he was like a youth county player, like he was very good. Um, but uh, I was, yeah, no, I was gone. I was like, nope, no, never playing that again. Traumatised yourself. I also uh, had some big fat lump in year 10 um, land on my wrist when we were playing rugby and snap it clean enough and I never played rugby again either. I didn't love those sports like I love football. Yeah, fair. Have you got one, Crawfers? So mine was, yeah, mine was, um, that's the most obvious one for me, under 16 cup final. Us being Stockfold and um, Westmill of Hitchin, two best teams in the league, always go toe to toe. Always. Um, I'd been moved that season from left back to centre back. Um, and this is the old school with uh, a marking centre back and sweeper. Yep. Um, Which were you? I was marking. You're the marker. You were the hey. marker. No, no, oh. I was the sweeper. I was the sweeper. So I, um, I played left back. All the way through, because I'm a left foot anyway. I know again it was old school left back. You didn't go past the halfway line except for a yeah. corner. So um, anyway, the lad I was marking, or as their centre forward that we were marking, was um, a lad called Barry Gray, superb player. Um, he was already on Arsenal's books um, as a schoolboy, um, and this was our last chance because we were then going into a different league. Um, this was our last chance to really get one over. We had a blinder. I had probably won one of the best games of my career playing time. Um, with five minutes left, and bearing in mind how old I am, this is in the days where you could pass back to the keeper. So, um, ball comes over, and this is literally five minutes for the final whistle. But long ball comes over, and um, I misjudged the bounce. It went over them. I misjudged the bounce, but I thought I can turn and I can just get it and put it back to the keeper. Kicked it short, absolutely horrible. And next thing I know, bloody Barry Gray is running past me, rounds the keeper and puts the goal. Uh, ball oh, in net. And that was it, 1-0 win. Um, I was absolutely 
And it's because I'd had such a such a good game against him. I mean, in that thirty seconds, it just went to match him. It's, um, yeah, never got over it. <laughs> and the positive side of all of this is none of that is as embarrassing as what happened to the uh, Hartlepool keeper on Saturday. Yes, yes, that is right. Well, there we go. Fifty, another fifty-two minute podcast. There's three of us today. Um, let's see. Uh, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna go there. Pat probably knows what I'm, I was just about to reference, but I'm not gonna do it. Um, thank you, thank you, Pat, and thank you, Cruffers, for uh, coming on and talking shit with me. Thank you. Enjoy it as ever. Enjoy listening to it. Enjoy being part of it. Always a good class. Happy back. You can find us. You probably know everywhere you can find us. I really hate these outros. Uh, find us on Twitter and all that shit. We post stuff on Borough Chat. We post stuff on Facebook. Uh, I don't know. Up the Borough. Come on. Rossinho. <laughs> Busting from midfield is Rossinho. What do you reckon the player's favourite McDonald's is? Sweeney screams fillet of fish to me. I can see that. I reckon TVC loves a McFlurry because they're smooth as silk like his first touch. Do you reckon Macca loves a Macca's? I mean, obviously. Just look at his cheeky face. And Revs definitely takes down a McNuggets share box on his bill. You want to watch what you say about our team's nutritionist? Order McDelivery now from the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.